Hey guys, this is Joshua Jimenez, host of Sandy Creek Stirrings. Quick reminder, this is the week. This week on Friday, we have the interview episode that will be released that we did with Dr. Scott Cottle, President and Director of Macedonia World Baptist Missions. I'm so excited for that episode. Make sure to tune in on Friday. Also go to Facebook, learn how you can enter for a chance to win one of his autographed CDs. Looking forward to that episode this Friday, October 9th. But for now, here's today's episode. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. Welcome to today's episode of Sandy Creek Stirrings. And of course, today's title, as you read, as you clicked on the episode, is The Faithful Failure Too Many Christians Make. The faithful failure too many Christians make. And so I hope this morning as we dive into the podcast episode, this content we'll be talking about this morning, I hope it's something that speaks to your heart. I hope it's something that educates you and something that I think a lot of Christians are really uneducated about. But I also pray that it would be something that you take to heart and that you use and implement in your life because I really think this is a critical matter. A lot of people don't think it's a critical matter, but I think it's a critical matter because of what it all entails. And by the way, God says that it's a critical matter. And so, not to place it too serious of a tone on the beginning of the episode this morning, but I think it is serious because I think in general as Christians we have gotten a wrong conception of the issue we're going to talk about today. Now, as I go into introducing today's episode, I want to start off by saying that everything I say on this podcast, I do my very best to say with a loving spirit. Now, I'm not going to forsake honesty and truth. Look, if I'm going to forsake honesty and truth just because of love, then I'm missing a vital part of the goal of this uh, podcast. And I don't, I don't expect, do not get me wrong, I don't expect to be the number one rated spiritual podcast in the category of religion and spirituality or Christianity in the, um, the podcast platforms. I don't expect to be number one. I know I won't be number one. And uh, there's guys up there that are number one, and all they talk about is love and uh, more power to them. But God is about truth. Um, you know, I think it's important that we realize Christ was both. Christ was love, but he was truth as well. The Bible says God is love. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth. He was both. And, you know, he said some hard things. He called some people vipers. Yeah, he looked at them and called them vipers. He looked at the Pharisees, by the way, and I read in Matthew chapter 23 for my devotions this morning. He looked at the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23 and multiple times told them, you're hypocrites. Hypocrites, 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 fools and blind. But you know what? There was not a more loving person to ever enter this world than Jesus Christ himself. And so I think it's important that we not only present truth, but we present it in a loving way. And so I want to remind you of that this morning as we go into the episode. My goal is to be loving, but I want to be truthful as well. And I think sometimes... The truth can hurt a little, but that doesn't mean the person giving it does not love, is not compassionate, or does not care. 
And so this is not something, this morning as we get into the content, this is not something where somebody ticked me off and I woke up in a grumpy mood. Uh, this is not a topic, this, or this is a topic rather, that I've been working on for several weeks now. And it's not something that just came to mind this morning. I thought, you know, I'm so fed up with people. No, this is something I've been working on for a couple of weeks, like pretty much all of the episodes we do here at Sandy Creek. But on the other hand, I do want to address some real issues that I see across America. And so if you're listening this morning and you are from my church, Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church, I'm not necessarily just addressing Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church. I'm addressing the entire world, and of course that's the point of this podcast, is to address everybody. And yes, we'd like to get as many listeners as we can, not because of me, not because of my pride, but because I think it can help people. And from the feedback I've heard, people are already starting to uh, get help and enjoying the content and being able to realize some things. And so I think it's important as we go into this, though, that you realize I'm addressing a problem across America. Hey, we traveled for two years on the mission or on the deputation trail. And I mean, we went to churches week in and week out. This is something I see across America. And so what I say this morning may be hard for some to swallow, but it's the hard, unadulterated truth. And I think the podcast is a platform that can handle this kind of truth. And so I may lose some listeners over today's podcast, um, but just like any subject, I'm going to back it up with Bible, and it will be truth. After all, that's what you want, right? Don't you want truth? And so uh, as we enter into this podcast episode, and some of you are just getting excited. You are the, you're the debater type, and you're like, man, today's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. He's going to tick some people off. And uh, no, that is not the point, but we are going to present some truth today. And yeah, for some, I think it will be hard to swallow. But here's the way we should go into everything. Does the Bible say it? If it does, it really shouldn't be that hard for us to swallow as long as we love the Word of God. And so as we go into the episode today, I want to start first by not telling you what the content is about, but first looking at the outcome of this area in our lives. And so first I want to address what is the outcome in our lives if we fail in this area. And then I also want to look at the benefits if we get this area right. And so let's jump in. Let's start off by talking about if we fail in this area, what is the outcome? What is the outcome? Well, let's use the Bible and address this subject. Number one, I want you to know if you fail in this area, you literally fall into the hands of a living God, which the Bible says is a fearful thing. And by the way, this isn't talking about the sinners. This isn't talking about the heathen. This is talking about God's people. You literally fall into the hands of our living God, which the Bible says is a fearful thing. Let me read you a passage. It says Hebrews chapter 10, or it doesn't say Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. It is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. The Bible says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So that's the first thing. If you fail in this area, you fall into the hands of a living God. And by the way, God says that is a fearful thing. That is a fearful place to be. Number two, by failing in this area and falling into the hands of God, you then force God to focus his judgment on you. The Bible says just the verse before that, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, the Lord shall judge 
his people. So by failing in this area, not only do you fall into his hands, but you fall into his hands of judgment, meaning he's going to have to focus on judging you, on chastening you as one of his children. He has to. He is required to do that. Number three, by forcing God to focus his judgment on you and falling into his hands of judgment, it's all because you did three things in regards to this area. By failing in this area, here are the three things that you did. Maybe you didn't even know it. But subconsciously, or however God would term it, you did these three things by failing in this area. Number one, you trod down the Son of God in his sacrifice. Like a doormat, you trod it down. You wiped your feet on it. The Son of God in his sacrifice. Number, uh, Letter B in this area, you have taken the blood of Christ and you have disrespected it. As holy as it is, you have disrespected the blood of Christ. And then letter C, you have done this all despite the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. So if you fall in this area, or if you fail in this area, you really, you're doing three things. You trod down the Son of God in a sacrifice, you have taken the blood of Christ and disrespected it, and then you have done all this despite the Holy Spirit being given to you, and or that has been given to you, rather. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29 says, Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who had trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Notice what that verse says, trodden under the foot uh, the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing, and hath done despite the Spirit. And all this has been done because you sinned blatantly. In this area, you sinned blatantly and willfully in direct opposition to God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27 say, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Let me tell you something. When you fail in this area, God says it is a blatant sin. He says his word covers this area, and if you fail in it, it is a blatant and willful sin in direct opposition to God's word. He says at that point, there's no more sacrifice for sins. You know what that means? Your forgiveness means nothing. Asking, saying, God, I, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry I didn't mean it. Well, God said, no, you knew, and you still did it. How would you feel if I did something wrong to you, and I knew it hurt your feelings, and then I did it again the next day, and I went to apologize? It wouldn't mean much, would it? You'd want to see a change. God says there will be a fearful looking for judgment. Now, automatically, you're probably thinking, wow, whatever this is, I do not want to fail in this area. But let me tell you about the possibilities, the benefits, the blessings if you do not fail in this area. Number one, if you are faithful in this area, if you do right, you are holding fast the profession of your faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 
You say, what's that mean? It means that what you have professed, your faith in God, your salvation through Him, your Christian testimony, you are holding it fast, you are keeping it steady, you are not letting it go, you are staying faithful. You are proving your faithfulness and testimony, but here's the thing, not only to the world, but more importantly to God. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, one of the benefits of or blessings, or one, rather, of the statements you make by keeping right in this area as you hold fast your faith, which should be, by the way, the goal of a Christian. By continuing to stay in this area, number two, you are provoking and encouraging others to love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 say, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. By keeping this area, by succeeding in this area, by doing right in this area. You are an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You help to encourage them to do what's right. You encourage them to love as God would have them to love. That means if you fail in this area, by the way, you are doing the opposite. You're doing the opposite. In God's eyes, he, are, he is saying that you are encouraging those around you if you fail to do wrong works. In God's eyes, you are encouraging those around you to do the opposite of loving people and this lost, dying world like they should. That's not what I say. That's what God said. Now, hopefully by this point you've realized that this isn't my opinion. I just backed every single thing I said up with the Word of God. And it was all within the same chapter and within the same passage and within the same context. None of that was ripped out of context. It's all dealing with the same issue. And so what is the subject we are referring to? Well, it has so many blessings if we obey God in this area. But on the other side, God says it is a sin if you fail in this area. It is a sin. Remember, a sin is anything that is a violation or it is a disobedience of God's Word. And so if God says for you to do something and you do the opposite, it is a sin. Now, many people would not refer to this subject matter if you fail. Many people would not refer to it as a sin. And I really don't know why. Here's what I think. I think in today's modern world, we have allowed it to become something that, you know, to say it's a sin, it's not publicly correct. It's not politically correct to refer to it as a sin in our churches. But let me tell you what it is according to God. It is a sin if you fail in this area. You cannot get away. If you believe the Word of God, you cannot get away from it being a S-I-N sin. And so what is it? Let me say once again, for those weak of heart, and I'm just kidding in that by saying that statement, but let me say once again, I say this with love, and so as we dive into the subject matter, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about church attendance. You say all that goes into church attendance? Absolutely. You see, there's one verse that we skipped around that we didn't read in all those verses that we just read from Hebrews chapter 10. The one we missed was Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching, Hebrews 10 25. And so the point of reference for what we've talked about to this point, the very central object of this entire passage, uh, this entire context, is church attendance. 
to repeat, going to church holds fast your faith and encourages others to love and encourages others to do what's right. It's being obedient to God. But to not go to church is a blatant sin in direct opposition to God's Word, despite the convicting Holy Spirit He has given you, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. By not going to church, we literally disrespect the very blood of Christ, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. By failing to go to church, we tread down the sacrifice of the Son of God, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. And by failing to go to church, we force God to focus his eye of judgment on us and place His places us in his hands, which the Bible says is a fearful place to be. Sadly, for many, this will shed a new light on the matter of church attendance. For some, it makes it a much more serious thing than they have ever heard before on the matter of church attendance. What's even sadder is that some will not change in their church attendance habits despite the Word of God we will present today. So in accordance to God's Word, let's bring up some key, though random, points about church attendance. And let's start right here. Number one, a Christian should never miss church. That's point number one. A Christian should never miss church. Now, some will disagree with that, but let's talk about that. There's only one reason that God sets to miss church or to miss going to church on his day. Now, in the Old Testament, of course, the Sabbath was dedicated as the Lord's Day. In the New Testament, it's no longer so. It's now Sunday. That is a subject matter for a completely different episode, because that'll take up a whole lot of time if we go into that. But the Lord's Day was the Sabbath in the Old Testament. It was the Sunday on um, in the New Testament, and it was dedicated as the Lord's Day. Biblically, though, you'll find that the principle set for us to um, not go to the temple, to not go to the tabernacle, to not attend the activities surrounding the Lord's day was if you were sick. That was it. If you were sick, you were able to remain at home. In fact, they would put you in isolation typically for about seven days, and then you'd have to go to the priest, and he'd have to declare you clean or unclean. And uh, But that was the only reason. Sadly, in today's churches, we have given a lot more reasons God wouldn't call them reasons. He would call them excuses. But we've given a lot more reasons for why people should miss church. And so this morning, as we go into this, once again, I say this with love, but let's talk about truth because there are a lot of common excuses we use to justify not going to church. And here's what I'm going to tell you, frankly, it won't fly with God. It won't fly with God. What are those reasons? Well, number one, because they had a stuffy nose. Don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. Don't jump ahead. Stay home if you're sick. But this stuff that it's not contagious sickness, it, it needs to quit being used as an excuse to skip church. Oh, oh, I had a headache. And I'm not talking about having a migraine where your head's about to burst open, okay? I'm not talking about a deep-set migraine. I'm talking about how we take just a little headache and we don't really want to make the effort to go to church, so we use it as an excuse not to go. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my nose was stuffy. Oh, I was, I was feeling drained. You may, you may laugh, but those are real excuses I have heard. And I'm not talking about, do not get me wrong, I'm not talking about the people who are really struggling with some stuff. I'm talking about people who they don't want to come to church anyway, so they just use it as an excuse. 
And for those people who do, I challenge you, just go to church anyway and see what God can do. We had a gentleman in our church. He was struggling with kidney stones. He decided, you know what, I'm going to go to church anyway. If you've never had kidney stones, my goodness, I hear they're really bad because I've never had them. And, uh, but kidney stones, he came anyway. You know what he said? Oh, it hurt, it hurt, and he, he thought, oh my goodness, I probably shouldn't have come. But then when the service started, the pain went away, and he didn't struggle with it the entire service. Hmm, who do you think is able to help you physically if you just attend faithfully? Well, God. And don't, do not get me wrong, I wouldn't have blamed him if he didn't come because of kidney stones. But I'm talking about people who just use a common excuse just because they really didn't want to go to church in the first place. Do you understand where I'm going with this? I'm not talking about a real sickness. I'm talking about people who are just using it as an excuse because they really didn't want to go in the first way. So really, or first place, because really they just want any reason to kind of justify in their mind not going. Hey, there have been times where I've been sick as a dog. Uh, just feeling nauseous, not necessarily sick, not contagious. Maybe I'd have eaten something. I just felt terrible. But I went anyway, and God helped me through it. There was a church member who came, and he was constantly struggling with headaches, and he decided, you know what, I'm just going to be faithful. You know what happened is he stopped having headaches every service. God helped him. And so this brings up a valid, talk, valid talking point. As long as you use an excuse, the devil will supply them. Remember the old song, excuses, excuses. I hear them every day. Well, the devil will supply them. If from church, you'll stay away. Number two, the common reason I hear is, well, because family is in town. Here's a sad reality I see across America is people witness to their family members and tell them about the Lord and how important he is. Then when they come into town, that same family will skip church to spend time with the family. Let me call it like it is. It's hypocrisy. The God you have been telling them about, which you claim to follow, you have just told them he's not important as you claim he is. You just made your family more important than God. Now, let me be clear. I am not talking about, and I feel like every time I have to insert a little asterisk so somebody won't take me wrong. I'm not talking about an emergency. I'm not talking about, hey, my brother fell off a cliff and he's dying and I have to run him to the emergency room or, hey, my son fell over and um, you know his head's cut open and he has to go get stitches. I'm not talking about that. I understand that. I get that. I'm talking about we don't want to miss family dinner or we feel bad leaving them at home alone while we go to church. That's not right. Hey, even the world knows that a Christian is supposed to be in church on Sundays. Just 80 years ago, even the world would shut down everything because it was, quote, the Lord's day. You couldn't get gas. You couldn't get groceries. It was all shut down because it was the Lord's day. Even today, the world knows a Christian is supposed to be in church. It's not right to miss it because of family. You won't find that in Scripture. Number three, I hear a common one because I didn't have enough time to get ready. And look, I get it. Sometimes work runs a little late. So you have two options. You can either get ready as fast as you can and come to church even if it's 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes late better to be there than to miss it altogether. Or you could just come directly from work. Don't worry about changing. You say, well, I, I, I stink, I sweat, I, I'm in my work clothes. Come anyway. 
Come anyway. What a testimony that you weren't willing to miss. You wanted to be faithful. I understand what it's like to not have a whole lot of time to get to get ready for church. I hey, I worked a secular job for five years while still running ministries in the church. I would have to wake up at six a.m. in the morning, have to be at work by seven fifteen a.m. This is on Wednesdays. I'd finally leave the parking lot after locking the doors between five fifty and six o'clock. I would get home at 6, typically. I typically was able to get out the door by 5.50. I would get home at 6 p.m. Church started in an hour, but in 15 minutes, I had to be at my first stop to start picking up teenagers for um, activities before the service. And so, yeah, I had 15 minutes to um, get ready, to shower, to get changed, to get in the car, to get everybody loaded up. You say, what about dinner? I skipped dinner. I would skip it. I didn't have enough time, but God was more important than that. Here's the deal. As the saying goes, you do what you want to. You do what you want to. If you want to make it to church, you will make it to church. And you say, well, I don't get off work in time anyway. That leads to our next point. And here's going to be the one that's truly hard to swallow for many. But it's truth. As far as a reason for missing church, the reason, well, because I had to work, won't fly with God because... On the Lord's Day, you have the biblical principle that you weren't supposed to be working anyway. Now, I know that's hard to follow for some, but here's the reality. I gave you Bible and the Bible reasons why you could miss church, and there was really only one. The only thing you can use to justify missing church because of work is logic, what makes sense to you. And so let me be plain I don't want anybody to miss it. Missing church for work isn't justified in God's sight. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry with you. If you miss church because of work and you're listening to me, and I'm not upset with you. I have nothing, uh, nothing against you, but I'm presenting the reality of church attendance. And you say, well, I don't agree with that. Then show me that in God's Word, where work is a justifiable reason for missing church. Here's the deal you won't be able to show me. The reason why is you'll find an opposite principle in Scripture. Look up the language of Hebrews chapter 10.25. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together after the manner of some is. And while we're on the subject, let me just mention this. When we're talking about should you miss church for work, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 5, He said, you know, if you see, if you have an ox that has fallen into a pit, he asked the question, will you not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And so what Jesus is doing here is I believe that Jesus is acknowledging that there will be, and this is a rarity, there will be certain emergency situations that will sometime arise. They are life or death situations because if you leave the ox in the pit and you decide, well, I can't pull him out, it's the Sabbath day, I can't pull my ox out, then the ox will die. Jesus here is acknowledging those certain emergency situations that sometimes, they're a life-or-death situation that sometimes will pop up. But listen to me, those situations are very rare, far and in between. You say, what do you mean? I am saying that, yes, you should not miss church for work. 
But let me put it to you this way. Let's say we have a fireman that comes to our church. He is an on-duty fireman. We used to have one. He retired. He still attends, and thankful for him and his family. But let's say we have a fireman. He's on active duty, and let's say we're here on a uh, Sunday morning, and all of a sudden our church hears a huge explosion, a huge explosion. And we look out, and there is just the biggest pileup of cars right out here on 441 of High Springs. I mean, we have huge windows in the back. And we look and we see, oh my goodness, and a fire has started and things like that. And the preacher's preaching, and our fireman, okay, knows first aid and some things like that, knows putting out fires. I mean, can save lives, literally. Should he just stand at the back and be like, wow, that's great, but our preacher's preaching, I can't do anything? I would say no. I believe Jesus was acknowledging the rare situations that will arise where it is a, listen to me, a life or death situation. And yes, I think the right thing for that fireman to do would be to run out into the roadway and to help to save lives, direct traffic, put out the fire, do something. He has the knowledge, he has the skills, he has the abilities to be able to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? It is a life or death situation, and Jesus acknowledged that, Luke chapter 14 and verse number 5. So yes, there are certain situations, rare situations at that, but there are situations that will arise that will require you, hey, I have to go, this is a life or death situation. Now here's the deal, in any of those scenarios, whether firemen, policemen, even a doctor, okay, I firmly believe that if they have a heart for the Lord, they will not work Sundays. They will do their best to work their schedules to make it to where they don't work Sundays. Hey, and you say, well, wait a second. We need, you know, we need doctors that are Christians. I agree we need doctors that are Christians, okay? But let the, let the unsaved, let the unchristian doctors, and there's plenty of them, let them work the Sunday shifts and the Christian take them off. Okay, And the people who have a heart for God will understand. They have a heart that is genuinely wants to be close to God. They genuinely want to grow, or grow. Those people are understanding what I'm saying. The people who have a heart for God are going to work out their schedules and their jobs to where they don't work Sundays. Because they're not going to allow work to be an excuse to, um, to miss church. Remember, that won't fly with God. Yes, I understand there are certain life or death situations where it's, I believe that God understands, but it's a rare thing. Let me put it to you this way. Some will say, great, now I've got my, got my reason for why I can miss work. You see, I'm a, I'm a restaurant waitress, and my, my restaurant called me in, and they said, you know, hey, it's Sunday. We didn't have enough waitresses come in. We need you to come in today, and that's an emergency situation, so I have to go, no, you don't. That's not a life or death situation. You say, I'll lose my job. Listen to me. Who is responsible for taking care of your needs? Who? It's God. And yeah, there's some people who they may need to quit their job because they've given some of their time over to Satan. There may be some people who are going to have to make a stand and say, no, 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 I, I won't. I'm sorry, but we agreed that I would not work Sundays and I'm sorry I will not come in. You say, well, that's easy for you to say you've never been there. Well, actually, I have been there. When I began looking for a job before I got to the hardware store, I went into places and I would tell them, look, I can't work Sundays. I didn't get hired a lot of places because I told them, I can't work Sundays. 
actually, I, I won't work Sundays. And I won't work Wednesday nights either. And when I finally got that job at the hardware store, they agreed, okay, you won't have to work Sundays. But do you think that was never questioned or brought into question? I had my manager come to me. Oh, this was several months after I'd gotten there. We had a cashier up and quit. The only cashier, by the way, besides myself at the time, I was just a cashier. And uh, the manager came to me and said, I need you to work tomorrow. We don't have anybody else to work your position. We don't have anybody else. And I looked at my manager and I said, no, um, I won't I won't work Sunday. Well, that's not going to look good. You know, we're really going to have to consider your position if you don't if you don't work, if you're not willing to play as a team, if you're not willing to help out the business that pays you, you know, we're really going to have to look at your employment. You know, God will forgive you this one time. And I looked at her and I said, you know, why should I make it to where God has to forgive me? Why should I make it to where God has to forgive me? I've been there. I know what it's like to be on the brink of losing your job. Yes, you might lose it. You might not lose it. Let me tell you something. One thing my boss always talked about was the stand I was willing to take, that I was the only employee who said I won't work Sundays, and I never did for five years. Make a stand, folks. And so I come back to our original conclusion. Missing work or missing church for work is not going to fly with God. And just to repeat, years ago, even the world knew it was the Lord's day, so we shut down everything. Gas stations, grocery stores, even police stations. Hey, I mean, even Andy Griffith went to went to church and Sunday school on the Andy Griffith show. Whether it was a real church, I don't really know, but obviously not. It was a movie. And um, But now we make it okay because, because, well, here's the thing. It's still not okay. It's still not okay. So number one, Christians should never miss church. Number two, live stream is not church. Doing quote-unquote internet church or quote-unquote watching the live stream instead is not church. So the question is, well, you're like, well, what is church then? Well, look at Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking, and here's the words I want you to focus on, the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching, the assembling of ourselves together. A church by definition, okay, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, and it simply means a called-out assembly, where they gather together to assemble an assembly. You are called out of the comforts of this world. You are called out of the comforts of your home to meet at a place that is set apart for the meeting of this assembly of born-again Christians. And so where is that place? Well, it's different for each individual church. For Victory Springs and Epitaph Baptist Church, we know as a church we meet at 18172 Northwest U.S. Highway 441 in High Springs, Florida. That is the meeting place of our assembly. It's the church house. Here's the deal. That means if you are skipping the assembling together, where we assemble together as a church, then you are skipping church. Simply put, live stream is not church, and it won't fly with God to say, well, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to watch it on live stream today. That won't fly with God. Church isn't just a message, folks. It's not just singing. It's also about fellowship and gathering together as God's people. That is just as much important 
for the purpose of a church is just in gathering together because it's a time specifically set apart for God and for us to go and to worship Him. So why have live stream then, some ask? Well, to be honest with you, we struggled with this for a long time. Because the reality is, and this is across churches across America, when a li- when a church begins to have live, sh- live stream, there will be church members who will start missing because they can catch it on live stream. And church has live stream for two reasons. Letter A, for those who are s- truly sick and are not able to make it, at least they can catch the singing and the message and the announcements. That's the number one reason. Number two, for future listening. And so it could be for church members to review during the week or for a church member to share with their friends or as a witnessing opportunity to the community or or an outreach tool or a blessing to overseas missionaries. Hey, when we were overseas, we typically watch a message from the States for future listenings. But a true Bible-believing church never starts live stream to give other options for, hey, you can attend church in this way. That's not biblical. To some, it may be logical, but you can't separate the two for a Christian argument. You have to have both a biblical and logical argument. And biblically, God says that won't fly. That won't fly. The third thing I want to tell you is skipping church is a discouragement to your pastor and other church members who love and care about you. I cannot tell you the number of times where we, those on church staff around America, have watched as people come into church and we see that some are missing. Don't believe the lie that Satan will tell you that nobody will notice. Because a good pastor, a good friend, a good fellow church member notices everyone who is not there. And honestly, you ask your pastor, it gets very, very discouraging when people aren't faithful. He has work to prepare a spiritual meal that God has given him. By the way, that doesn't typically come overnight. Now, there's some who wake up and God has given you a message and you run to your office as quick as you can and you write down all the points. Those are phenomenal. Typically, though, a message takes hours to prepare. Hours. And he knows the struggles that his church members are going through because he cares about his sheep that God has given him to care for during this time. He knows that missing churches, by the way, handing Satan the victory, it can wear on your pastor. It can affect his mind. It can affect his spirit as he preaches. And so by just being faithful to church, you don't realize how much of an encouragement you are to that man of God that you sit under week in and week out. And here's the last thing I'm going to say today, number four. Skipping church is the first step to falling out altogether. Skipping church is the first step to falling out altogether. The members who never miss a service but stay faithful to each and every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the members who never miss a service but stay faithful to every service, you'll find are never the ones who fall out of church. You won't find it. The ones who are never, the ones who never miss are the ones who stay faithful and see generations of their family affected for God. Sadly, though, the ones who come Sunday morning only or 
other services but slowly began to miss, it is the first step, the first sign that that church member is struggling and there's a potential for them to fall out. I did not say that it is absolute they will fall out. We'll never hear from them again. Their children are going to die and go to hell. I never said that. But it puts a big potential there. It puts a big potential there. Faithfulness, by the way, removes the title of hypocrisy that the world rightly places on so many Christians. Because even the world knows that a Christian is supposed to be faithful to church, and it's vital to your spiritual life. That's where you get preaching. For the preaching of the cross, by the way, is to them that fairish foolishness, but to unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. But if you're not careful, skipping church is the first step to falling out altogether, and your pastor knows it. That's why it concerns him when you're not in church. That's why it discourages him. It's not because numbers are down. And yeah, that's, sometimes that can be discouraging too, but it's not because of that. It's because he knows who's missing typically is hurting. And so in review, achieve the blessings that come along with church attendance by being faithful every service. Be to church. Be to church. Achieve those blessings and be a blessing to your pastor be an encouragement to those around you. Because remember, remember, by going to church, you hold fast your faith. You encourage others to love. You encourage others to do what's right. By the way, it's obedient, being obedient to God. Because here's what God says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but by the way, exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. But if we fail in this area which it's, it's a faithful failure so many Christians make. Let me remind you, according to the Word of God, not according to me in my opinion, but according to the Word of God, it is a blatant sin in direct opposition to God's Word despite the convicting Holy Spirit He has given you. It disrespects the very blood of Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 29. It treads down the sacrifice of the Son of God in that same verse, and it forces God to focus his eye of judgment on you and places you in his hands, not a hand of care, not a hand of he's holding you for salvation, but a hand of judgment. I'm going to have to whoop you. Which the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 30-31 is a fearful place to be. Now I know this is going to be hard to swallow for some, but I will tell you this. God loves you, I love you, but you need truth. You need truth, you need it in your life, and you need the Word of God. I hope we presented this in a very loving way today. And I hope we presented it in a way that shows you, though, the, as well, the truth of God's Word. So if you have any questions on the subject about church attendance, make sure to get in contact with me. I'd love to hear from you. And I'm looking forward, hopefully, to a great response from this episode. But let me tell you this. Attend church. It's one of the greatest things you can ever do for you and your family. But until next time, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.